Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And of course, this is meaning and talking in the context about creation. But there's another creation that God had in mind. Even when he created the world, he knew he was going to create man. We'll read that verse. Uh, and after man had sinned, you see the same thing apply to man where there was darkness upon the face of the deep of his heart. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Then God said, let there be light. And this is a type of salvation that we see in the New Testament. John 1.1 1, 1 and so on. Now in verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, created he him, male and female created he them. And then in chapter 3, verse 13, this is after God creates Eve, and they're in the garden, she's tempted. Verse 13, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so you see here, she sinned. And you continue on in verse 17. Then to Adam he said, because you, you have heeded the voice of your wife and had eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, in toil you shall eat, and so on. And so you see Eve sin. You see Adam sin. Now in chapter 3, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, God could not keep them where he originally had them. And so that's why you see in verse 23, he sends them forth. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. And this is where mankind is today in general, where you see there is this spiritual death that has come upon man. We know, we see, we understand it here in the context of Genesis with Adam and Eve, but many times we don't really recognize it or maybe say it this way, we're not too keen and we're not attuned to the spiritual death that man has moved into. That's why, you know, when Jesus died on Calvary, he died for the sins of man. And that's why three days later, he arose from the dead because of the state of man. And so man is quite content to dwell in spiritual death and dwell in spiritual darkness. Man finds his expression in this world today in spiritual darkness. He doesn't like the light, doesn't come to the light, and that's where he is. 
That's where he dwells. And in the Bible, you see three types of death. You see the physical death, you see the spiritual death, and then you see in Revelation where um, Jesus says, He that overcometh uh, will, will not uh, be a partaking of the second death. And then later on in Revelation, you see where it says that Death and hell are cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And he that does not have his name written in the book of life shall be cast into the lake of fire. So you see death in the scriptures in these three areas. Uh, first of all, um, physical, spiritual, and then this, this eternal thing there that's moving. And what I want to look at today is the second, the spiritual death as we see in Genesis. Now turn to Ephesians, or let's start in Romans here. Romans, well, let's go to Luke. Okay, where are we going to go? I just mentioned three. Okay, let's go to Luke. Luke 15. It says in Romans that all have sinned and come short or have fallen short of the glory of God. So there was a glory that, ha that Adam had and Eve had because they were created in God's image. And that was not to stop, that was to continue. But because sin had entered their hearts and their life, they fell short of the glory of God. And mankind, be it unbeliever or believer, can fall short of the glory of God. All it takes is sin in our life, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All it takes is sin. So if if I dabble in sin, or I think something in my life is okay, and the Lord says it's sin, then I will fall short of the glory He has intended for my life. It's, it's just simple. It's very simple. We don't comprehend what the glory is and what the Lord wants to do. So in Luke 15... Verse 29, and this is dealing with the prodigal son. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, this is the son that did not leave. Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, uh, you, kill, you killed the fatted calf for him. So he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we, and this is what I want to show you here, it was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. So the son who left, it's portrayed here that he had died. 
And this is a type of spiritual death when someone leaves the way, leaves the path, leaves the, the Lord. See, the Father, I believe, is representative of the Lord. And they go out into this place and they spend all that they have. All the Lord has done here in them can be spent. And what they have left is not much of anything. They may make it to heaven, but that which the Lord wanted, they have fallen short of that. Fallen short. And so you see, he's happy because the one who was dead now is alive again. So something occurred. In Ephesians, let's turn there. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. He's talking about whenever we were unsaved, when we were away, not knowing the Lord. We were dead in trespasses and sin, but something has occurred. He says, you are alive. He made you alive, in which you once walked according to the course, the direction of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan, and the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. Right away, in the context, you see he's talking about those who are unsaved, but that's not it at all. A Christian can become a son of disobedience, not in the context here where they're, they're unsaved, but they have now become a son of disobedience, and they will reap certain things in their life among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his love, great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. That is what occurred in the life of those who say, Lord, yes to him. Lord, you are my Savior. I believe in you. I trust in you. He makes them alive. Now, the Bible says a lot of different things, and sometimes Christians don't put one thing together with something else that's sitting over here in the Bible. So they, they assume, and this is a great assumption of our day, that because I have received Jesus Christ, that I am alive to God. That is an assumption that many make. And I want to show you a verse here in a minute. But I want to read one more verse from Genesis 2. You don't have to turn there. When the Lord said this to Adam and Eve, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So he's talking about disobedience here. And the, the death that he's speaking of is both physical and spiritual. The spiritual occurred immediately, 
And there was a separation between the Lord and Adam, immediate, and Eve. The physical death did not occur for some time. But nevertheless, he, he says that, you know, if you do this, you will die. Now, in Romans 8, remember Jesus, they told him Lazarus was sick? And Jesus went about his business, and the disciples knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. And after he knew that Lazarus had died, he says to them, the disciples, Lazarus sleeps, and I'm going to go wake him up. He's sleeping. And, of course, we know the story. Jesus went, and he, he uh, commanded him to come forth. But there's a spiritual application here. There can be, with an individual, a place where they are asleep in spirit. They're sleeping. They're They're dead. They're no longer alive to God. See, they're alive to their sin. And one can make the assumption that they are alive to God when that may not be the case at all. They may lean upon their Christianity, their decision to come to the Lord. They may rest upon what their church says, what their priest says, what this person has said, and make this assumption that they are alive to God. But in Romans chapter 8, I want you to look at this. We've heard this verse many, many times, but let it sink down into our ears. Romans 8, verse 6. For to be carnally minded is what? Death. Or another way to say that, to be carnally minded means that you will in some way be broken from God, cut from God. I'm not talking about going to hell or anything like that talking about spiritual life and spiritual death. To be carnally minded. Minded. See, and the Lord has to reveal to the Christian when they are such carnally minded. But to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace. Spiritual death, and we usually say that means the unsaved. And that's true. But a Christian can spiritually die in that they are not alive to God. And it will be quite evident if you watch a series of choices in a person's life, you can see the direction that they're going. More than that, you can see that they are no longer alive to God. So this is pretty serious stuff here. Romans uh, 7, 
Romans 6 says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. That's what happened. If I continue in sin, if I sin and I'm going to continue in that, there's a wage for that. It's death. Now, it may not be death as far as not going to heaven, but it will be death toward God as far as I, I won't have any desire for the Lord. I won't desire to go to church. I won't desire to read or hear the word. And I'll be dead to all that, spiritually dead to that. And how many times have we seen that occur with people? And they, they lean and rest upon their initial salvation. Well, that may take you to heaven, but it's never going to take you to the heart of God. Romans 7, 5. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful pas- passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members, in our body, to bear fruit to death. So that's where we were. That's where we see Adam and Eve. That's where they were after they sinned. Romans 8, 13. Now listen to this. Listen to this verse and let it sink into your ears. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Paul is writing this to Christians, not to the unsaved. But if you, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So once again, we're seeing this life and death thing. Not heaven and hell, life and death. If you live according to the flesh, if I live according to the flesh, I will die. If I live according to the Spirit, I will live. Very simple. But the problem is, do I understand when I live according to the flesh? Am I attuned to that and say, oh, that's the flesh. I need to to move away from that. Let me read this from the Amplified. This is Romans 7, 11. For sin, seizing the opportunity and getting hold of me by taking its incentive from the commandment, beguiled and entrapped me and cheated me and using it, the, the commandment, as a weapon killed me. Sin. That's what Paul says. Sin can just take hold of you, entrap you, and sin brings you to death. Let me read these verses from Mark. Now remember, this is whenever uh, Jesus, whenever they they get get in the boat, Jesus is in the back uh, sleeping on a pillow. And the disciples are, are rowing. They're going across the sea. And you know the story. The winds kick up and the waves get big. And they're in a little boat. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, Jesus. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now what we usually see in that portion of scripture is that Jesus, they woke Jesus up, he came, he got up, and he, he says to the sea, be still, peace be still, and we see the calm and all that. That's what we usually see. 
what we usually don't see is that the disciples here had to go wake Jesus before Jesus took action. So there must be an awakening of Jesus. There must be life in the heart that says, Jesus, I need you. I need you. The spiritually dead don't really see their need for Jesus. Well, maybe some do, but they, don't, they go their own way. But for the most part, they're not going to him. But to remain in peace, as it says in, in this verse, this great calm, he must be awoken. We must awake him. We must want that life. We must want to walk in that life. We want the Lord many times to do what we want him to do, and then we go our own way. I'm not necessarily meaning us. I'm just speaking in general. Or it could be someone here that does that. Now, in Ezekiel, turn to Ezekiel. The context of Ezekiel 37, the context is that the children of Israel have been taken from their land. Ezekiel was taken from the land and brought over to Babylon. And in Babylon, he receives these visions of God. He receives uh, this direction. He sees all these different things, and he, he prophesies and says different things. And the context here is that the people who were stripped from the land because of their sin, because of their rebellion, because of their stubbornness, they're taken from the land, and they're dispersed throughout Babylon, Babylonia, the Chaldean Empire. Throughout the whole, they're, they're dispersed. They're not in one place. They're all over the place. And it never dawns on them. They never, or put it this way, the way the situation looks, it looks as if they will never, ever be brought again to their homeland because they're scattered. It's destroyed. Jerusalem's a mess. The, the countryside, they, they, they destroyed. The Babylonians destroyed the cities. And now they're in a foreign country. And there they are with no hope at all of going back to Israel. That's where they are. That's the main context of this chapter. But there's another thing, I believe, that's going on here in this chapter. And that is that the Lord sees those who are spiritually dead. Now, of course, we know that the world is dead. But I'm not so much talking about the world today as I'm talking about believers or Christians. As we looked at the verses, if you're carnally minded, that's death. The flesh brings death. So there is such a thing as spiritual death in the church. There is such a thing. And the sad thing is, 
that many times those who are dead are the very ones that don't know it, and they're the very ones that don't come forth to be brought to life. They, they sit in their spot, and, and we see it at the jail all the time. So this chapter brings the Spirit of God into the picture where he can take those, as I said, the context is Israel, but he can take those who are dead and bring them to a place where they are no longer dead. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. Let's read. Ezekiel says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. He's looking around in spirit. The Lord shows him this. He's looking around, and he sees all these bones laying all around in this valley. And he describes them as very dry bones. And when we many times go to the jail, we look out and we see men sitting there. And many of these, these men have received Christ when they were younger, but never followed along. They went into sin and were spiritually dead. And we look out and we see, so to speak, this valley of dry bones. And there they are. They're sitting there. They don't know that there is a hope. They're coming because it's just church. Some of them come maybe to get out of their cells. They come, they sit, and they're there. Just like churches all across the world where people come and they sit and they're there. And they're sitting there and the minister looks out and some of them can see this valley of dry bones. No spiritual life. There they are, they come every week. But they're lacking spiritual life. Life. Not just church, but life. Life inside, moving, this resurrection life that Jesus was talking about, that he died for you to have. Verse 3, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will make breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will put sinews or tendons on you, and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and breathe in you. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will put tendons on you, and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know 
that I am the Lord. And we have seen this many times in this church. And we see it many times at the jail. Where there they are, they sit. And all they need to do is respond to the word of God, to the spirit of the Lord that is breathing, and there will be life. And this Friday, we went up there, and I was up, and I was speaking, and there was this one man. The Lord was putting him on my heart, and, I'm, and, and as I'm speaking, I'm thinking, you know, how, how is he going to respond? Is he going to respond to the Lord? Is the Lord going to be able to do something with this guy? And many times you don't know what's going on with these people. And I didn't know, was he going to respond? So as we continued on, at the very end, I, I gave an altar call for certain things, that it rededication and different things, and being healed, have spiritual healing, to become alive to God. And we had some of the men respond, and this man got up and came up. Young man, I, I, he looked like he was maybe 20. Walked up the, the middle, stood before me, and I had him come over here. And I had one of the men start praying for him. And this is the, this is the first time I've ever seen, ever seen this, where the guy started crying. These people don't cry. They don't cry. They're hard. Even the Christians that are there. They don't cry. But this man started crying. And he said that he used to serve the Lord. But he went into sin. He went his own way. And what he was saying was, I was spiritually dead. I was alive at one time, but now I'm spiritually dead. And he started crying because the Lord had touched him. The Lord was there for him. The Lord was going to speak and breathe into him a new life. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and a suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked... The tendons and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, and, but there was no breath in them. There was a form there. There's start, something starting to happen, and that's what happens many times in a church service. It's what happens when we go up there. It's like, in the beginning, it's like so dry. It's like there's nothing, it's just like, and then as the word comes forth, as you minister it starts to touch the people. It starts to bring them. The bones start to come together. They start to move. And there they are. And now they're in a place, maybe, maybe, that they can receive the breath of God. They can receive the word of God. And there can be a change in their life once and for all. Verse 9. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied, as he commanded me, and breath came into them, 
and they lived. And they stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Verse 13. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live. You will be at peace. The spirit of the Lord is good. And he is always ready to breathe upon those who are spiritually dead. All they need to do is look and say, Jesus, awake Jesus. And he will speak life, life, life. See, church is just not church. Church is to be life. See, do you have the life flowing in you? Do you sense the Spirit of God flowing in you? When you come and the Spirit of God starts to move, do you sense the blowing of the wind in your heart? The witness of the Spirit in your life? Or is there death there? Are you dry like the dead bones? The church is not what people think church is. There is to be more. In Corinthians it says this, Awake to righteousness and do not sin. And he says, For some do not have the knowledge of God. They don't have the knowledge of God because they're... they're In their sin, they keep sinning. They keep on doing what they know they shouldn't be doing. They don't have the knowledge of God. But he says, awake to righteousness and sin not. Let there be an awakening in the heart of the people. Let there be an awakening with these bones that are dry, dry, dry. Let the Spirit of God come and breathe upon those bones and set that person up on their feet and breathe into them the life of God. In Ephesians 5, verse 14, Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Awake from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So as Ezekiel prophesied, and as the the valley of dry bones were there all around him, spiritual death, those that dwell in spiritual death, Paul says in Ephesians, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead. Ezekiel prophesies and says, Those bones, as the Spirit of the Lord prophesied, those bones shall live. And the breath of God came and entered them, and they were awakened, and they rose from the dead. And they were alive once again. 
And there is in, I believe, this country, a spiritual death that we see everywhere. In the church and out of the church. And the Lord wants us to, to see that the time is coming soon for there to be an awakening. But see, as far as you and I, we are to be alive to God, alive to Christ. And as we read in Romans, if we are Christians and we are going to be carnally minded, to be carnally minded is death. We will not have this awakening and this, uh, this life of being alive to God because we're alive to sin. The carnally mind is the enemy of God, it says, the carnal mind. To be carnally minded is death. And that's not just meaning with unbelievers. That means whoever. Paul's writing that to the church. If you are carnally minded... That's death. But the Lord doesn't want that. He wants life. He wants life in all of his people. And Ezekiel, when he saw the valley of dry bones, the Lord asked him, as we read, can these dry bones live, Ezekiel? He says, I don't know. You know, Lord. Yes, the Lord does know. All that needs to be done Awaken Jesus. What we need is our hearts to go toward Him and away from the world. We need to leave our sin. If we're, if we're in sin, we need to leave our sin so that we can be made alive to God again. So church is not just a place to go, as I grew up in, in a church, and, you know, I, we go there all the time on Easter, you know, was everybody would get dressed up and come to church and that whole thing, and leave the same way they came in. But true church, and I tell them that all the time at the jail, church is that you leave, the Spirit of God touches you and changes you, and you leave differently than when you came in. And see, that can only happen by the Spirit of the Lord breathing upon a person. Having this heart that's dry, like those bones. Dry. But now they hear something. They hear the word of the Lord. And now the bones are starting to rattle a little bit. There's something stirring in them. And the ministry keeps on going. The Lord's working. The Spirit's moving. And then the breath of God comes forth. And you see someone who was dead, dead, spiritually dead, come alive. And as I said, it's not just applicable to the world. Many of these men that we minister to were Christians when they were younger. But they went into sin, and there they sit, spiritually dead, dead to God. And how many times have we seen it here, and we see it all the time at the jail, where they come in, 
and they're like this. They really don't, some of them don't want to hear much. Or, you, or, or maybe they're not sitting like that, but you could see their hearts. Their hearts, it's like, it's like you start to speak, and it's like trying to penetrate this rocky place. But you just minister the word of God. Follow the spirit of God is leading. And it's amazing how the Lord can get in there. And it's almost like he parts the waters of the heart. He gets in there and he's, And then there's a place now, little opening for the word of God. And then you see someone who was spiritually dead come alive. And this past uh, Friday when we were there, there was another man in the service. I, I don't know, the Lord's been having me do all kinds of things. I walked right down and I said, I said, do you know the Lord? Have you been saved? I point right at him. And the guy says, yeah, I, I did that. I did that. No, so I started talking to him. And this other fellow, I recognized him, but I didn't, you know, we see so many people. And the other fellow, I looked at him, he says, I received the Lord two months ago when you guys were here. And I would talk to him for a while. But that guy was dead when he came. I, I remember his face. But remember, the spirit of the Lord can breathe breath into the heart and life of a person who is far, far away from them. He can take a, a Christian who is backslidden, who is in sin, uh, as I said, being carnally minded is death. They're in death, spiritually dead to God. They're not interested in the Bible, not interested in the Lord, not interested in church, not interested in being around Christians or family that are Christians. Not interested. But I believe in the Lord, I believe He is God, and I believe it is possible for even those to hear the word of the Lord and have this awakening in them. I believe it. Now, it may not happen with everyone, but with some it does. And so for us today as Christians, this whole thing with this life, it's just People don't understand. It's almost, in a way, it's a little frustrating. Do you understand life? Do you have that life moving in you? Or do you just come and sit? Is the life of God flowing in you and out from you? Or is, is this Christianity, Christianity? You know, it's just same old, same old, same old thing. Well, I believe that for every single person... They can experience that life to a greater degree. Jesus said that. I come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. But I also believe that there can be an awakening in those who have been dormant in their walk. There can be an awakening. I pray that there's not a person in this church today that doesn't leave today somehow, someway, by the moving of the Spirit of God, that they don't leave awakened. They're touched once again by the Lord. And that's my prayer for everyone today. Thank you.